0: hey guys welcome to the 38th episode of just shoot it a podcast about filmmaking
1: storytelling and directing i'm Oren kaplan and i'm Matt though today we've got Jarrett conway on he directed the movie mana which comes out on july 8th it's a high school comedy about a bunch of kids and some bioterrorism i guess you would say Uh, It's super funny. He's got a ton of great insight and uh, is um, a really fascinating guy to talk about. I think Jared is one of the most passionate filmmakers I know and uh, really great in the room. And uh, his passion is infectious. So stay tuned. But first, Oren, what have you been working on lately?
0: Well, so my show came out today that I've been talking about, which was previously called Miss Earth. And now it's called Miss 2059.
1: Congrats, man.
0: Thanks. It launched the first episode launched. If I were a listener I would probably wait till a few episodes came out because <laughs> like I told you the first two episodes are originally one episode and I think it flows better but yeah it's been kind of if you google miss 2059 and hit the news section there's uh, you know a good amount of press on it we'll see I'm going to VidCon on Thursday they're setting up this whole like gallery of like carnival games based on the show and they're playing the trailer so I don't know I have no perspective on
1: whether it's good or not. Well, I watched the first episode today. I think there's a a ton of stuff to be really proud about. And I think I was listening to our Justin Johnson episode, which will be out by the time listeners are hearing this, but Justin from Indie Mogul. And we were talking about how you are what you make and how I thought that was a really awesome concept and uh, just uh, words to live by. And it occurred to me that or, and you're always talking about like, oh, like I want to make like, you know, a, a great VFX short film, and then that's going to lead to the next step of my career and the next step of my career and the next step of my career, blah, 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 right? We always are talking about that. And it occurred to me that you got Miss 2059 because you had these Quiznos spots that you pitched on that you decided you were going to make Super VFX heavy over the top. And that's how you got that job. And that's exactly what you've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I feel like it
0: I I still need to make the the thing that gets passed around like all of Hollywood, but it's like I'm close. I'm like I'm kind of like knocking on that door, but I just haven't like knocked it down yet.
1: Sure. So so, you know, success often looks like something different than what you're originally expecting, and I'm not saying like, "Oh, you've hit the ceiling, you've peaked or something like that. But I think there is something to be said about like, you know, taking each step and saying, okay, this is the thing that I actually want to be doing. How can I make the thing that I'm working on right now more like that thing? How can I be better prepared for it? How can I prove to people that I'm the guy to do that next step project? And I know for sure if I had been given a Quiznos spot, I just would have been like, Hey, let's make it funny and weird. Uh, and there's no way I would have sunk a couple months worth of time into the effects to make sure that it looks super cool and then ends up going viral and then tell people about how awesome it is and then get a person who's excited about that to pitch me on a sci-fi epic show yeah i guess
0: i guess you're right today actually i was offered not offered i was asked if i was available for a job some video with Drew Brees of the Saints and the wreck of the Saints. Some I do not know, but I, I take your word for it. Some video where it's like it's introducing a competition that you can spend some time with him if you win, and so it's like the concept is like Drew and me, and me is like this generic person, and they were just going to cast like a very generic looking guy to play me mm-hmm. as this intro to this contest, and I was like, well, why don't we put him in like a fully green suit, you know, like a, one of those xenomorph suits and just make him a silhouette like in every shot. And then it's just kind of probably be funnier a mm-hmm. little bit, especially if they play Certainly it super reuter, straight,
1: which is nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, they're like, well, how do we do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. It's pretty, I think it's pretty easy. We just put him in a green suit and then just key him out and just make a silhouette. And they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Like we weren't really thinking about that. And so I guess to your point, like if you do find your own little spin that is pushing Boy. in the direction of the things you want to make, then that's cool. Speaking direction of things I don't want to make, but did make this week, that was also fun is I shot this just really uh, quick intro to the NHL awards with Will Arnett and Jimmy Kimmel on Thursday. And, you know, we were supposed to have Jimmy Kimmel for 20 minutes. He ended up staying with us for like almost 40 minutes. I mean, a lot of it was just him and Will Arnett just chatting. But I'm always like really nervous when I work with celebrities because you know, I want did them you, to you like s- me. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also don't want to be like pandering and I want them to listen to me because I'm like the director, but I don't want them to think that I need them to listen to me, you know, and mm-hmm. like I want them to know that I respect them and I appreciate that they're giving their time. It, it's like a really interesting balance. But those two guys happened to be like super cool and like they were just in the middle of some big conversation laughing. And I was like, guys, do you mind if we like just do the blocking while you're talking and can keep talking? And they're like, made some joke about it. And they did the block. It, I don't know. They, they, they're it pros, was fun because they, they were responsive to me. I don't know that they would remember my name, you know, sure, after sure. we shot that thing, but I think what we made, you know, came out pretty good given that we shot in the green room, the Jimmy Kimmel room for 20 minutes. But Anyway, so that was fun. If you watch the NHL awards on the NHL Network, whoever has that, then maybe you'll see it. I can't wait, man. So, what have you been working on lately?
1: Mm, I'm trying to think of stuff.
0: Yeah, for me, it's kind of like a regular work week. I was like, "Wait, is, isn't something considered for an Emmy award?" Oh, that's
1: true. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. So. Um, Orin just reminded me, I literally did forget, uh, that Shitty Boyfriends is on which the- is a series that Matt directed. Which is a series that I directed, is on the short list for the Emmy's short form comedy competition list. Which is a new category this year. New category this year. So, yeah, so that's super exciting. You
0: know, it's- um, Your it's, second time being nominated for, being considered for an Emmy in
1: some- way well last year was a was a proper nomination this year we'll see if if the show gets nominated it's a pretty long list of shows i feel like there's 20 or so very good shows so you know it would be wonderful if it happens but uh, i'm not holding my breath but yeah it's a it's a cool thing can you put that on your resume like director of
0: shitty boyfriends and uh, emmy shortlist
1: yeah you know i don't know if terminology wise it's totally clear Because I think basically, and this is conjecture, so take it with a huge grain of salt. But I think basically there are so many digital series out there that it's hard to kind of be expected to keep track of all of them. And unlike with TV, where there's huge marketing campaigns and that you're getting for your consideration screeners and there's just general public awareness. Uh, Digital series have a much uh, smaller profile. So I think they just said, hey, guys, don't worry. There's only 20 shows you have to be aware of rather than the overall ocean of of, uh, media out there. So I think this is just like the required reading list. And then we'll get our nominations based off that. So, you know, I mean, it's still going to be who the most famous people are. Right. Well, you got Lisa Kudrow. Uh, Well, Lisa... Produced Sandra O stars. And Sandra O. And Melissa Hunter.
0: And Melissa Hunter, one of my favorite podcast guests. But speaking of podcast guests, let's take it away with Jarrett Conway.
1: Hey, Jarrett, how's it going? Thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Jarrett, you've got a movie called Mono, and it comes out July eighth on VOD. Yeah, yeah, VOD
2: like iTunes and uh, Google Play, and Netflix as well.
1: And this is your first feature.
2: It is my very first feature. Pretty o- exciting
1: with Fox Digital Studios. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, Fox Digital. Super dope. Pretty cool. uh, what's the uh, What's the movie about?
2: Uh, you know, it's it's a teen comedy, a little John Hughes esque. It's, it's it's basically about a bunch of outcasts that take over the school when the cool kids get mono at an exclusive party that they can't get into. So Mono spreads, and then they see an opportunity to um, kind of fill the power
1: vacuum. The Mono outbreak of Highland Park High was not an accident. Hey, what are you putting in Bucky's bottle? It's not what you think. It was a terrorist act. What was going on there, some kind of rainbow party? That's the one where all the girls wear the different color lipsticks It's <laughs> suck. But who were these creepsters, and why
0: did they do such jacked-up shit? You we were already broken up right mm, that's a cool idea reminds me of i think it's from hitchhiker's guide to the to the galaxy <laughs> like all the a-type personalities die because some one of them gets some some deadly virus and <laughs> and at, all at people like a type people always press the door close button on an elevator they're the only people <laughs> that press it and so they start spreading this virus through that door close button. That's a, that's <laughs> and everyone that's joke. left is like kind of cool and relaxed
1: uh, fun fact the screenwriter of mono lives in my apartment building yeah he does actually <laughs> so funny he both ronan attended some of your parties yeah yeah so so let me just jump
0: right into the main question mm-hmm. how did you get fox to pay for your first feature
2: you know uh they actually uh they actually hired me to do this i didn't i did not write the script my buddy sev ohanian so shout out to sev really successful uh indie producer who, uh, I'm just going to say it, Sev, you know, he actually, you know, he went to school with me, film school, and he went off to produce films like Fruitvale Station and The Intervention. He actually produced a film called Tenured for Fox Digital Studios. And him and I hung out after Sundance, and he said, you know what, you should take a meeting, a general meeting there. So I did. And uh, they pitched me this project. They were aware of some of the other things they had done before. And I, you know, I pitched my take on it, and there you go.
0: And what have you done before? Like, what, what's the minimum requirements to, like, let's say one of our listeners wants to sure. direct a feature for Fox Digital?
2: Sure. Well, I had done a series for Machinima and Lionsgate uh, called Bite Me. Uh, I did two seasons of that. Uh, that was per, a digital series? Yeah, it was a digital web series. Um, however, it was interesting about the second season. Actually, the first season as well. Is they both aired on the Fearnet channel, which is no longer oh, cool. around. That was a Lionsgate um, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, both season one and two were online. They also aired on TV. Uh, they did a thing where they we, we did 10 11-minute episodes for season two, and then they were repackaged as um, 522s. Oh, cool. Uh, and it got nominated for three Streamy Awards. and, and stuff. Oh, wow. So, so in the digital world, people knew me and Fox Digital had seen that
0: so they watched
1: the whole show
2: uh, maybe or just the tra- you know i do, don't know do maybe, you think maybe.
1: they watched it i'm curious i i it, feel like people have never seen They this probably
2: they just watched like a sizzle reel yeah yeah you know
1: and i said okay there's something kind of nice All about the boxes that. get checked yeah like ah this guy's legit yeah someone told us he's legit he's articulate enough. <laughs> that's why happen. i want like really good trailers
0: <laughs> for the series i do because i feel like that's the only thing i can show people i can't ask someone to go watch something for two hours which in hindsight, like now just saying that out loud is just like asking <laughs> them to watch one movie. But, you know, these studio people, they don't watch, they, they're not going to watch 12, 10 minute episodes, right?
2: I'm sure so, somewhere in there, there's there's some creative executive that's forced to definitely watch all of your stuff, Warren. A, a, as, um,
1: yeah. as a person Even my who mom used to have that job. <laughs> half my I'll, I'll be real with you guys as a person who used to have that job. I am not certain that anyone has seen all of your stuff, for sure. Yeah.
0: No, for sure. I haven't seen all my stuff. Like,
1: I don't think there's anyone. (laughs) Well, that's why
2: you cut a really pretty uh, reel.
1: Yeah, which now, I
2: actually did show them in my meeting, in like my second meeting.
1: So right? you had like like a tone reel, is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, I did a I did a director's reel, and then I had a music video reel, and I just said, hey, and I I know that they they had mentioned some of the other stuff that they had, were aware of, you know, that they had done, but then I also showed them some reels. So, but amazing. it wasn't it wasn't like a reel for to pitch for the job. It oh, was, I see. You know, I did I did have a meeting where I went in and I kind of pitched them my take on the script and the things that I wanted to change around. I, I did get to influence the script quite a bit.
1: And, and what did you come in with for that take meeting?
2: You know, no materials, just myself and and, and ideas, uh, really. What did um, you wear? Uh, you know, a, a blue button up, I think. Yeah. Trying
0: too hard, man. Yeah, I Trying came in looking hard.
2: real professional. <laughs> Definitely better than I'm looking right now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that um, we discussed the stakes in the script. It's really easy with a teen comedy for the stakes to not be as how you know heightened and i wanted to heighten the stakes a bit so we kind of discussed how we might do that we discussed you know i'm really big on opening shots and opening shots that say a lot about the theme and the aesthetic of the entire film so i kind of pitched them what my version of the opening shot would be which actually you can see in the trailer it's oh, the nice. first it's kind of cut up it's the first shot in the trailer
1: and what is that to walk us through
2: yeah over? it's basically a long steady cam shot down a, a, a you know a hallway and you can see that it's a total wreck. Like there's a homecoming dance that's in process, but then you can see um, police lights that are like flashing in through the hallway. And then there's a couple making out down at the end of the hallway. So it's like, you know, mono spread through making out. So I want to have the imagery of making out in the very first frame. Yeah. So, you know, the camera's moving down the hallway. And we shot this, uh, you know, we shot it in slow motion that it had post post ramp mm-hmm. in the shot. We go through the hallway and we see, you know, kids running all around. And then our two lead characters are getting pulled out by Homeland Security in handcuffs. So I was like, you got to, you know, and then there's a voiceover that kicks in. So you're like, how did we get here? You, were, you know, right, right. like we got to figure out how these kids, it's just mono, right? But no, this is real serious. Like sure. they're being put into, you know, they're getting arrested by Homeland Security. So what the hell? You know, so that, that was, uh that wasn't how the script originally started. And I was like, how got about that. we start here to it, really get you hooked?
0: So that was, was going to be my question is mm-hmm. like, was that scripted because, I feel like a fix a lot of times when you have like act one problems when mm-hmm. people are like, uh, it mm-hmm. takes a really long time to get this, to get started. You know, I feel like 20 minutes in, I'm really involved, like into mm-hmm. it, but the beginning is just like, Hey, I'm this guy and this is mm-hmm. what I do. And here's yeah, where yeah. I work. And this yeah, is business my as
1: usual. And like funny right. jokes.
0: Yeah. And, and so a lot of times it's like, we'll take the most climactic part of the, you know, where the girl's about to chop the guy's sure, head off. She yeah. swings the ax up and then cut earlier, well, you just use
2: yeah. that in medias res technique, you know, yeah. like right in the middle of the action. The cool thing is there's still a lot to be revealed after that moment. Sure, sure. Which I think is pretty important so that, you know, when people get there, they're like, and honestly, I think with my film, you'll be like surprised. You'll forget that we were that that, that ever was going to happen. So it'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's. Because it's the very, very first shot. You know what I mean? Then we get into it. Um, But then there's plenty of things that happen after that. So, yeah, I brought that up. And then um, actually, you know, I had to figure out how to shorten the material Mm -hmm. because the script ran pretty long. I think the first draft was about 113 pages. And with the schedule we were gonna have, I, I knew that I was like, let's get to ninety. So what I wanted, and it didn't end up being ninety; it ended up being ninety-six when I went to production. But I was had to get it down to ninety, so I found some places where I can consolidate some things. There was a lot of parties in this script, mm-hmm. so I found a way like, <laughs> how about this party and this party get combined into sure. one party? What about yeah.
1: if this party was very lame and only three people
0: were there?
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I find
0: a lot of times when you're like trying to get a script shorter, and the writers like just start doing all sorts of scripty tricks. You know, they'll just like shorten the oh, descriptions, yeah. and you're like. Yeah. This is this is the exact same length script. Yeah. (laughs) Same amount of work. Yeah. Brian
2: and Ronan they they may have tried that.
0: Cut some characters. Cut some locations. Combine Mm -hmm. some things. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
1: I feel like also uh, combining a character characters is almost always a great idea. Sure. Especially like a high school comedy. Like there's a ton of like Mm -hmm. peripheral guys. It's like, oh, what if this one comic foil were. Yeah. The foil throughout the whole thing, you know?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think what will surprise people, though, is, you know, our films pretty tight it's a you know 86 minutes and there are a lot of speaking roles and mm-hmm. i actually tried to not have any character be really you know superfluous mm-hmm. you know i went back and i watched a bunch of different teen comedies that are you know can't hardly wait and super bad and mean girls and, and can't hardly wait in particular there's a lot of characters that come in you know just a little bit yeah, yeah.
1: you know and, and, just drop in they're like hey i'm yeah it's character. like they had the, the yeah. you
2: know it's like a brother comes into the movie and he's got like yeah, he's yeah. in there for like one scene you know right, and i was right. like and i'm a brother by the way so it's like i was like i'm gonna have a lot of diversity in my movie, yeah, yeah. but they're going to have like lines, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, we right. do, you know, we do some really, I mean, you know, and diversity is just not, you know, we had like three, you know, Latino, you know, teen actors, you yeah, know, yeah. In, in there, and that's not something you'd see. And they were, all had major roles, you know, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I, You know, I, I think that maybe in this kind of new digital, like premium digital independent feature world, I think that diversity actually. I feel like those people are a little more hip to like that being a smart move. Absolutely. Not not just because it's more interesting, but also like it's more marketable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a thing that that group is in particular hip to. Yeah. The show I just yeah. worked on mm-hmm. start, you know,
0: Anna, Kana, and this girl, Nikki Suhu, and they're both Asian and have a big Asian following. And we had a guest cameo from Phil from uh, Wong Fu. Is that mm-hmm. the, yeah, that yeah. group? Who did Single by 30 mm-hmm. that Jared actually worked on for YouTube Red? That is their their audience is primarily Asian, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. we had Eric Ochoa
2: uh, in our movie, who's got yeah, a, you know, a great killer. Latino.
0: Um,
2: fan and so base. it's like,
0: that's how you tap in. You know, if you just have like generic white guy. There's plenty of
2: those in my movie, <laughs> okay. at least half the cast. You know, we actually had quite a bit of social media influencers. Uh, you know, I can talk about that a, a bit because, sure, you know, yeah. that was definitely. Coming into the project, the studio told me, said, look, we're making this type of film, and there's a new wave of these movies that are getting made at um, all the all the studios uh, using social media influencers paired up with traditional teen stars. So we, we had some recognizable teen stars, like Sam Lerner, who was in Project Almanac and Monster House, and he's on the Goldbergs. We had Catherine Newton, you know, who was a star panel on Activity 4, and she's on a new HBO show. you know. But then we also had Brandon Bowen, who's a Vine star, Eric Cho, who's a Vine star, Christian Del Grosso, Jake Paul. So was pretty pretty great, actually. Did you
0: find them different Eric to was direct? YouTube, YouTube star, sorry. Like, were they, did you have to, I'm assuming, what, what and, the and the it's probably wrong of me to assume, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. but that the traditional actors had studied acting and that the YouTubers, Viners, were more kind of relying on their personality and their instinct and their Yeah, their but, well, you know, that
2: can be a pretty exciting thing, specifically with a comedy. And I think it makes sense with this genre when you, you know, because the way the studio is looking at it, is, you know, okay, we can look for, you know, a 16-year-old kid with no fan base uh, who might be funny, you know, and, and he's building his credits. Or you have a kid that comes in, he's already got 10 million fans, and this is what he does, like, every day. And he's, like, finally tuned to that craft of making people laugh, you know, and millions of people laugh, which is perfect for this, this type of genre. Right, know?
0: but, like, like if you look at a movie like Whiplash, for mm-hmm. instance, like, can you just bring some YouTuber and have them play the Miles Teller part?
2: Um. You know. Look. I. I don't know if we're gonna find the next Michael Fassbender uh, off of Vine. You know, it's a particular format geared towards. I think sure. comedy. So, I I mean, I'd be excited to see a dramatic actor break through via, you know, social media. But I will say this, you know, a lot of those actors also uh, have traditional background and training. And, they, and some of them just started, they kind of started doing the Vine as a way to get seen, as a way, an opportunity right. to get seen. I mean, a perfect example. We have Mary Kate Wiles, you know, in our movie. And, sure. You know, she, she's— Huge fan. Yeah, <laughs> you're a huge fan, Right. And, you know, I consider her to be a traditional actress, even though she's built up a fan base via a lot of, um, you know, web series.
0: Right. Yeah, no. And, and I don't mean to be so negative no, about YouTube. No, I mean, I think totally like cool. like Anna Akana, who's mm-hmm. on our show, she is she started as like a stand-up comic and she's taken acting classes and mm-hmm. she like cares about acting. But she's I've worked, fantastic. I've worked with YouTubers that... Do not. They just kind of fell into this. They they're more like the jackass guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: We were fortunate. The ones, you know, you know, the the, the guys that were um, on our set, they all um, they all behaved themselves. They were great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I always I liken it to most of these most of these social influencers. They're small entrepreneurs, right? They're performing every single day, but they're also brand managers, Mm -hmm. social media marketers, SEO like the community managers they're doing all of these other things mm-hmm. and so i think in comedy i think it makes the most sense because you know jim carrey didn't like know uda hagen just the same way like mm-hmm. these kids don't right but you know they're 20 years old who fucking cares i don't know jim carrey probably knew uda hagen Na- now he does he was just a stand up <laughs> comic you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and when i say just a stand up comic that's not to be derisive but uh, what i'm saying is that you know, maybe these kids aren't groundlings, which is a, a probably a, a better comparison or a more apt comparison, but they right. are hitting stage time via Vine the same way, you know, Sunday Company is like looking to put up a show every day. I mean, week. they're
2: definitely doing it every day, you know? Um. And in the case of someone like, say, you know, Jake Paul, you know, he just got cast as a series regular on on Nickelodeon. I'm sorry, not Nickelodeon Disney. So he has his mm-hmm. own Disney show now. So, oh, cool. uh, you know, so a lot of them, I think, uh, are getting smart to like breaking through it traditionally. Um, and these movies could be stepping stones for that.
0: Yeah. I guess uh, my analysis on my kind of realization I had this year about like YouTube performers versus like the kind of the social media sure. performers versus the traditional dramatic performers, Mm -hmm. is that social media encourages you to kind of wear your heart on your sleeve, be super transparent. Hey, I'm Mm -hmm. coming out. Mm -hmm. Hey, I really want to tell you how I feel today. Hey, you know, it's all about sharing the truth. And drama, it's all about like what you don't say, you know, it's all about subtext. It's like doing one thing and meaning another thing. Um, And so it's kind of like, it, the opposite type of performance, and and there there's something hard about getting people that are just so used to like saying what they think to say the opposite of what they think. You well, know? you
2: know, I, I mean, look, that's like, that's my job as the director to come in there and work with all these different ingredients and see how they work, and and what's cool, especially with the comedy, is sometimes you want to have you know, characters that come in and that are broader mm-hmm. in their style of comedy, you know, so we, especially when we have such a large cast. So that's what's kind of exciting about it. But, but you know, the other thing to, to speak on that note about the social media influencer thing is that, you know, these aren't just, um, they, they're not just posting pictures on Instagram, even though that right. they may have, you know, plenty of great pictures on Instagram as well. Like, they're also, the Vine, the Vine actors, I mean, they're they're producing content and storytelling constantly. I think you have to be careful if you're just casting You know, influencers that you're like, wait, what do they do? Mm -hmm. You know, they take pictures. Um,
1: You were looking for the whole
2: package. Yeah, we were, and and everyone auditioned for me. Everyone. I mean, there were definitely, um, you know, I'm not going to lie, there was definitely um, some people that didn't want to audition and they didn't get cast. You know, I said, okay, well, if you're not going to audition for the movie for a lead in a studio project, then Okay. Then I won't cast you. But everybody, you know, everyone, you know, everyone came through.
0: If you get the audition, I feel like that's all that matters. But there's people they are like huge fashion bloggers with like 3 million subscribers that want to be, you know, on Desperate Housewives or whatever. Yeah. And they, but they've never studied acting. They've just gone on camera and they're really, you know, charismatic and they're really good at speaking to people, but they're Mm -hmm. not good at embodying a character mm-hmm. necessarily we sure. did chemistry
2: reads as well you know we did chemistry reads as well and there were definitely people with you know I mean most of my cast have those levels they have millions and millions of fans and they were just very humble and came in and, and just wanted to just wanted to make a good movie. They really enjoyed the script and they wanted to make a good movie.
1: I mean, you, you don't uh, build that sort of fan base if you're not a tenacious, intelligent person. Mm-hmm. And so some people know that that's not necessarily the path that they want to go down. And some people know that, you know, it's about the work, right? Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, I, I'm curious to learn did you find a difference between YouTubers and Viners, right? Because YouTube is very confessional style. Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes you're addressing the camera directly, but I find that Vine, especially like comedy Vine, Mm -hmm. it's really six second sketches. So you have to create jokes, but also like you have to set up two different characters oftentimes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to play off of each other. Like, Like you're transporting people instantly through sometimes some very, Broad or recognizable tropes, but sure. uh, but still, you're doing it very quickly.
2: Yeah, you know, on set, you don't really notice yeah. any difference i think that, that the you difference, don't call them vines and youtubers no, <laughs> no the, the difference really just comes purely in the pre-production and casting phase when you're you know scouting talent you're working with your casting director and the different mediums you're looking at to, to assess talent in the first place and say okay yes this person is it's worth us pursuing mm-hmm. you know um, based on the talent they have you know here and sometimes it's hard to tell based on vines if if they could translate that skill into a long format but mm-hmm. You know, yeah, from you my just experience, get in the room
0: the YouTubers can memorize about three pages worth of uh, script and <laughs> the Viners about an eighth of a page. <laughs>
2: That's so. funny. No, our guys, our guys uh, were able to do plenty more than that. Two eighths on a good day. And <laughs> a, a long
0: vine. Um, well, cool. So what's next for you?
2: Uh, what's next for me? Well, you know, I'm looking forward to the movie coming out, seeing how people respond to it. I, I'm working with a company called Lifeboat. I think I can say that. I'll just say it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. there's a company uh, called Lifeboat. They're pretty awesome. And uh, so they've attached themselves as producers to another project of mine. Also has kind of a youth-driven, this is an action, youth-driven action piece.
0: And it's a script you wrote?
2: Uh, I wrote it with uh, two really great writer friends of mine, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. They, they write a bunch of comic books. And um, yeah, they're, they're pretty great.
0: And you guys are all three equal partners in it, but you're the director?
2: Uh, I'm the director, and I uh, like basically I wrote like a 20-page treatment, and then they came on board, and they executed a draft, and then did like four rewrites based on my notes. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: And this might be way too personal. Sure. You can definitely cut it out if you don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> did you pay them?
2: I did not pay. I know I did not pay them. Um, they will get paid, of course. <laughs> but, you know, really it was a situation. We've just been friends for a really long time. We all went to USC together i was in the grad program they were in undergrads and we also partied together and i remember uh drunken drunkenly at at one party they were like look we really want to write a script you know we want to write a script with you and i was like nah man like you don't want to work with your friends because like i'm not gonna be able to pay you i'm broke why would you want to do that it's like because you're awesome and we we're big fans of your work and we want to do that and i think like two years later i finally said okay sure like if you want to do that (laughs) And then I gave them this 20-page treatment, and they read it, and they were like, oh, my God, Like this is really cool. Um, And yeah, they had some time to to hammer out another spec, and they went to work on it, and they wrote a really amazing script, and Lifeboat really loved it. So they're shopping that around now, so we'll see.
0: Make that sound so easy. I might steal that. <laughs> see if it works. Ah, yeah. cool. There's yeah. a, Wait, a, you
1: don't have to write a script yourself? Yeah. There's That's a screenwriting awesome. team <laughs> that
0: wants to take my treatment, turn it into a feature and let me know.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely Unfortunate. They're really talented writers, and, and I'll give them a plug. By the way, they have th- their own uh, monthly series called Joyride Ride uh, with Boom Studios. It's an issue number three. It's my favorite oh, cool. comic out right now.
0: And what's um, what's this project about?
2: Um, what, what, what will I say about it? I'll, all I say is it's a it's like a YA die hard.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Sold, and it's supposed to be Signed part of like a frant, like a multi. Uh, if movie. I could be so
2: lucky. And sure, but yes, I did did conceive it as something that could be, but it's very much a standalone movie that tells you know a beginning a, has a beginning middle and end but yeah it definitely uh, could be spun off into more films I'm thinking about that way. so the
1: second one will basically be a rehash that's not very good but then the third <laughs> one will be really good <laughs> and then they'll get kind of crappy again yeah but yeah. It, it, you'll still make a ton of money yeah cool
2: yeah Great. hopefully if, I, if i'm so lucky <laughs> yeah we actually you know it's funny when we first wrote the script uh, we wanted john boyega it was like after attack the block and we we're like <laughs> john boyega it's him you know that that's oh, who, so that the lead movie. was written with him in mind of course would never get him now yeah yeah but, uh, you yeah, know, we'll see. There's, there's, um, you know, we, we all have big reps, you know, so so hopefully uh, they'll be able to help me. Something happen.
0: Well, I think Matt was looking for a segue, and you just gave it to him. <laughs> because we wanted to talk about, like, agents and managers and how useful they are, in your opinion. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, you just said yeah. that you guys all have big reps. Mm-hmm. What's your, you're at William Morris, right?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm at WME. I've been there for about... I want to say three years.
0: And have they, I, Matt and I were speaking mm-hmm. earlier today, you know, Matt really would like a top agent. Mm-hmm. I don't have an agent, mm-hmm. but I very firmly believe that given kind of the materials that I have available, an agent couldn't really do anything for me. Well, well I mean,
2: you don't have an agent, but you have a house and I have three roommates, <laughs> so someone's doing better.
1: <laughs> well, it's a, <laughs> it's a pretty nice house <laughs> super Thanks. nice <laughs> no, no
2: one's taking your 10 percent
1: You could have bought a house with that no, no, I, I do have a manager and a lawyer <laughs> and together they take 15 there you sure. go boy, boy when you do the math of like manager agent lawyer 25 percent of your income that's rough okay right? this that's
2: is what i'll perfect. say about all that you know sometimes people ask me they're like uh, should i get a manager should i get an agent You know, and I said, uh, you know, how much are you making? Well, nothing. Like, well, 10% of nothing (laughs) is nothing, so shut up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Wait, wait, sorry. (laughs) By that, you mean yes, you should, and don't worry about what they take, or Uh, they're not going to want.
2: Look, look, basically, representation justifies it from the business standpoint of things, you know, or the financial standpoint. They justify themselves if they can get you at least 1% more than you would have made, Mm -hmm. you know? So at the end of the day, well, 10%. 10% more. Yeah. So, like, you know, 11%, Eleven, let's say, you know, eleven percent. Then, right? They take their ten percent. You get a one percent profit. That's what I mean, right. right? And you know, in the case of um, WME, they certainly have negotiated contracts that were better than what I would have been offered without them. So, yeah, you I you mean, know, I, mean, I made more money than I, even after paying them that I would have made before. And did
0: they do anything other than mono?
2: Yeah, uh, actually, they they were not involved in me getting that job, but they did close the deal on that job, though.
1: So you still paid them for that?
2: Yes, yes, I did.
1: I always joke about how, I mean, I think this room is a perfect example of like, it's three nice guys, right? And who like love making things. Mm -hmm. So like if a company was like, hey, we'll give you $2 to go make this thing, but you'd really like to make it. (laughs) We're all like, okay, let's do it. Sure. Right. And, and your representation is there to kind of like be like, well, hold on, let's like make sure that you're, you know. Yeah, paying your mortgage, right?
2: Yeah, I want to pay back my film school education. Right. Right. I don't. I mean, right. if I ever get a job that allows me to do that, then I know I'll. That's I'll, I'll why succeed. I have a house. Yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> I didn't go to film school. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> just to literally. speak to speak more about the reps thing, because you know, I you know, I I got a manager out of, sc- out of you know when I right out of school. I'm not currently with that management company anymore, but we're still good friends. And then uh, actually, the guys that I was talking about, Jackson, Lands, and Colin Kelly, are part of the reasons why I got signed to WME because uh, they, they had a, an agent there that was looking for some clients in the digital mm. division, and I had done Bite Me, and that led to me getting signed there, and actually that agent is no longer there, he is now an executive at Fullscreen. Mm. But you know, so I got signed to WME, and then it was like, can you create a project? So I created this project that went out digitally, and I had Tim Kring, who created Heroes Attached, sure. and that's yeah. one of those things, like I couldn't get access to Tim Kring, couldn't get access to Creative Heroes mm-hmm. without WME, but he's a client, and he liked my pitch book. And you know they were like, yeah, Jerry, we sent it to you know Timur Bekmamatov, and we sent it to Ridley Scott, and we sent it to McCring. And I think it's like, okay, go to the, go to Tim Kring's set, and he's he's gonna be, you know, on set with you know, Keith or Sutherland. So I go to Santa Monica and he's like doing a, what was that show? It's a touch, I think it was called yeah, like, the yeah, second yeah, season. Touch, yeah. And I was sitting watching the premiere be filmed with Tim Kring looking through my booklet, my pitch book for for an idea that
1: I had. Yeah, yeah. You're like in between takes. Like, oh yeah. and up, like Maria yeah.
2: Bello's there and Ke- Keith Keith Sutherland, and you know, we have a little meeting on set, and he's like, Oh cool, I wanna do this. How do how do we make this happen? And I'm like You know, like that's why it's good to have a show or a movie. Yeah, well, it was a digital series that I would have directed when I would have been involved in like writing. And actually, so what ended up happening is it it didn't sell digitally and that was about a year process. And then some TV networks got wind of it and we sold it as a television show. And then my team expanded at WMA and I got TV reps. Uh, So CW bought it in 2013. It was developed, but then ultimately didn't get filmed as a pilot. So there is a future or alternate dimension, Jarrett, who has a bigger house than you. But <laughs> right. Sadly, that is not this one. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah.
1: Not, the size does not matter. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the, the the universal wisdom is like, don't worry about representation until it's time that you actually need them. They'll they'll knock on your door they'll when knock. it's ready. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll knock. On your well, door. I had. not I apologize,
2: if I, I've
0: talked about this on the podcast no, before, fine. but. Jared says it's fine because he's never listened to the podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. You should check it out. It's pretty good. So I made this movie, right? My first feature I got. I definitely uh, will
2: not listen to this one. I hate the sound of my own voice.
0: <laughs> I got uh, repped off that movie at Anonymous Content as they were my managers. And I was kind of trying to pitch them ideas and trying to get them involved in my projects. And I was shooting this thing for Disney at the time and, you know, trying to get them to come visit the set and just be involved in mm-hmm. my career. And they just had kind of way more interesting clients, I think, at the time. Sure. And so I, my lawyer, who's the one that hooked me up with them in the first place, I was like complaining to him. It's like, I keep calling them, I keep telling them to come to set. I keep like sending them mm-hmm, ideas. Mm-hmm. And they're just like barely ever call me back. Like, what's the deal? And he said, you know, come to my office. Let's talk. So I go to his office and he's like, look, you got to think of your, your managers as salespeople. <clears throat> like you give them content and they sell it. Without you giving them material, they're sure they can add they can like forward you a script that nobody else in town wanted, you know. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be good. But unless you have material to give them, you're giving them, you know, tr- treatments, pitch decks, new reels, like ideas for things that they can't do anything for you.
2: And yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it look, it's so tricky. It's one of those things where it's like look passion is what's important passion from you and passion from them and it's got to be kind of a two-way partnership and i was fortunate when i first got there i had a very very passionate you know agent he was a new agent sure. but big agency and i gave him something and he was like yes and he went off with it immediately and, and fortunately many of my pitch books they were like yes we like this too and they you know and then there were times when they were like we don't like this
1: yeah well you pe- know? people talk about the honeymoon phase right yeah. so when you first sign if you've got some like some nitro. Here you go. This is the thing. Go sell it. You yeah. just made that relationship. You know, like in a real relationship, people are just so excited and ready to go for it. Mm-hmm. And that really sets the tone for the future of your relationship with that company, right? But I think I know what you're sure. saying that is the same thing
0: I'm saying is that I didn't really have any pitch books mm-hmm. and just had sure. like
1: ideas.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you need more than that. You have to try to visualize it. And it needs to practically be sold already, which is what mm. I did. I'm fortunate that I have. You know, a graphic designer and, and VFX company that I've that I've I've worked with and I've known these guys since we were like 15 years old. So if you're interested, you can check out you know, ChargeField.com and check them out. But they've worked with me for several years and they put together my pitch books and, and such. So I'll write them up. We'll you know make a Google Doc and I'll right. write everything up and then I'll pull images from the internet and we'll talk about what it should look like and put something really sexy together that practically looks like it's already made. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Do you have any examples that we can maybe share with her? Our-
2: Listeners? You know, if you go to if you go to Charge Field and you look at like a lot, you'll see a lot of things that they've done for me there. Like, um, but I don't actually have any of those pitch books, unfortunately. Out.
1: Could I pull some of their photos and share them with the viewers on our site? Yeah, sure. Cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. Then check out the show notes, everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. I could definitely show you some of that. But look, you know, one one thing. That, look, the the projects that I had uh, have with Lifeboat right now. You know, um, I definitely had challenge. It was. Cha- tried to get that mobilized before and you know you have to believe in your work you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I said this is a great script and it doesn't matter whether so and so thinks it's good or not I'm just going to keep sending it out until someone thinks it's good you know and, and I was fortunate that. and you said, really thought it was good I knew it was good I mean I know it's good it but is good
1: <laughs> that, that's what I want to talk about for <laughs> you know? real right there that, yeah. that's what I love about Jared yeah is like I feel like you maybe maybe more than any other director I know like your, your confidence in your ability, when when you've locked in, when you know something is good, mm-hmm. you're not shy about saying so, sure. right? And that, to me, when Oren asked, like, oh, like, how did you get mono? Or like, how did you get this other project off off the ground? That's the answer, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know it's fucking awesome and you're not shy to say about it. Say that.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, with all this, it's about, I mean, being a director, it's just about having a vision, you know? And, and there's probably multiple visions that could make a good project, but I think, right. you know, tying in a little bit to getting mono was like you, you walk into the room because, you know, I did have to go to the Fox lot and sit in a boardroom with a bunch of exec- executives and that can be intimidating. But I'm not intimidated when I go and onto these lots. Like I've been in a lot of boardrooms and I know what I'm talking about and I know I, what I want to do. You know, and I just go in there and I say, This is how we're going to do it. We're going to shoot it at at 120 frames per second on a steady cam. We're going to do it just like this. And the lights are going to be coming from here and here. And I I paint the picture like, This is how we're going to do it.
0: And what if they say, Oh, you know, we kind of imagined it being like a little bit more like handheld, like uh, gritty, you know, doc style. They have no idea. What would you say?
2: I said, Well, maybe your version of the movie will look like that. But my version of the movie is going to look like a steady cam at 120 frames per second with lights coming in like that
1: because I'm directing it. <laughs> and, and to be real though, like that's all they want. Yeah. They just want someone to be like, hey, this is exactly how to make it good. Yeah. And they yeah. The, really all they want is like for it to be good. And yeah, they're going to like maybe make some suggestions here or there. Sure. But like I think most executives think that they're very good about supporting a person's vision. I mean
2: it's a per- it's it, it's it's definitely collaborative to some extent. Sure. You
1: know, I mean
2: some of the executives at Fox Digital have been directors themselves, you know, so they had ideas and they said, well you could do it this way and but ultimately they said, you know, these are suggestions. You know, they they really did stay off my back, you know, on set and they let me shoot it the way I wanted to shoot it. Sometimes they would encourage me to shoot it again. You know, we we did a lot of like really long winners mm-hmm. in the movie and on this type of schedule which I haven't gotten into but on this type of schedule you will be surprised that we attempted to do some of the shots that we did too how
1: many days did you shoot mardown
2: uh 14 14 goddamn damn. Four, 14 days 14 days cool yeah. That's almost 2 weeks yeah yeah it was it was uh it was across three weeks. It was like five, five, and four. It's just like, really, couldn't you give me like one more? Like she, I yes. tried. To, I was like, just give me one more day. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. I
2: definitely begged for it, but no, I didn't. Did no
0: reshoots days. or pickups or B roll.
2: No, no um, we we stole a camera and and shot the outside of a hospital mm-hmm. and like like I, ex- like establishing yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah. We did that on one day. Did on you use day.
0: any stock footage in your cut?
2: Nope. No, there was stock footage, I think, in the edit, and then I was like, Well, we're not, we can't pay for that stock footage, so I was like, Okay, well,
1: it's cheaper to steal a camera, I guess.
2: I'll go get a camera and I'll go shoot a hospital, which was better anyway, yeah, you know, yeah. ultimately doing it that way, yeah. So but I, that's challenging,
0: yeah. I have this meeting with this company called Dichotomy. Have you guys heard of them Mm-mm. next week? I guess someone that was like part of that Paramount film, like I think the low budget film division, like in search, yes, yes, part someone from there, I think, started this company, but really interesting. Premise, I I might be butchering it, but it's something along the lines of they're kind of following the Blumhouse model, but their their idea is like, what if we designed a studio that didn't know anything about the the history of how you make movies and just looked at the tools we have available to to test today, the filmmakers we have available test today, the distribution we have available test today, and design a filmmaking paradigm that uh, works for that. So like you know, now we have we're all shooting digital, we're Mm -hmm. all editing on our laptops right uh-huh. so editing's not expensive and shooting's not expensive and cameras aren't expensive so given that they they're basically trying to do i think i think they're doing like 3 million dollar movies maybe 3 or 4 million let's say 4 million and they will give you like 3 million to shoot for 20 days then you have like a month to edit and then they give you a million dollars to shoot for another 5 days to basically fix everything that's wrong with the movie wow and that's just every movie that's, that's the model the plan and uh-huh. and so they schedule the cast everyone is like scheduled for those like yeah, the, sh- yeah. the main shoot and the reshoot or pickups wow. um and you know I, i'm friends with a dp that did like crazy uh, if you guys have seen that mm-hmm, movie mm-hmm. it did really well and that's how they shot that movie too they'd shoot some scenes they'd edit it they'd shoot more scenes they would not see what's working what's not working and it's like always been my dream to like you know, because because like what you're saying, like you're shooting this thing and the, you're, you shoot this whole movie, you have 14 days and then you have to edit it and then like things aren't working and you're like trying to steal cameras and trying to get exterior shots mm-hmm. and trying to bring
1: and the you, end of the movie to the And beginning. you finally know what you would have done to right. make it work.
0: Yeah. And so what if you build the whole filmmaking model to be based around, we know we're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. in production. Let's build in the, the fix it time. So I thought, thought it's really interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think with, you know, you just have to embrace whatever you're cuz you're not gonna you're not gonna say no, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's an opportunity to work on the Fox lot. I was like I got an opportunity to make my first movie on the Fox lot. I hired my best friend, who's you know, my editor.
0: And you guys shoot on the fo- on the lot?
2: Um no, there I mean there was nothing that was, no. No, we we shot mostly in the valley, some stuff downtown, but you know, there were a lot of locations. Honestly, I think yeah. people would be surprised by how many locations we had.
1: And it's all location work. It's like there's no um, stage work at all.
2: There, You know, there was a stage, a kind of a stage, like stage downtown. It wasn't real. it's more like a set. It's like a hospital set and some uh, okay. things, you know.
1: Wait, which one is that? I think I, I think I know the another <laughs> one you're talking I about. I can't, I can't remember the I, name yeah, of it. I center can't remember. City? You, you park that's, that sounds Central right. City. Well, there's are... there's Center Stage, but yeah. the, but the, you park underneath everything and it's just like a warehouse that looks like a I believe, hospital. yeah,
2: I think that's right. Yeah,
1: I think that there's like I think they're condemned now. I'm not sure. It's real creepy though. Uh a I little mean, creepy. You wasn't
2: know. You know, not the way we lit it, you know, when we were <laughs> sure. doing our scenes it wasn't particularly creepy. Yeah, yeah. but you could but imagine Oh, yeah, we it ended was up, you know, using yeah, we shot like a a couple of things there we also shot at uh, earth two comic books which is uh there's an earth two down the street from me it's my local comic store, and we you know i got to know the, the owner there and we shot at his north Beach location uh and those, that was the location i was like we have to get this. that was actually one of the things that i changed in the script because there's a scene where a guy uh, gets dumped by his girlfriend very early on and it was originally just in like a park and I just didn't feel like the park location said anything about the internal state of the character. I said, how can we, you know, cause really it was about the, you know, this distinction of like, he's not growing up and he's mm-hmm. you know, a little bit too juvenile. And so I was like, how can I surround him with something that's, you know, speaks to his character in, in, in that moment. So we picked a comic book store and we made like custom comic books with like, with actually I had like a superhero getting kissed on one of them in the background. Cause I was again, trying to plant like kissing for on like anywhere I could. And then we made a fake V for Vendetta called W for War that makes an appearance in there and it actually plays into thematically into the movie as well because if you know anything about V for Vendetta there was a disease in that movie that was essential to like the plot of the movie and it plays in at a very specific plot point in our story so there's a lot of little easter eggs if anyone's a nerd and they care to pay attention.
1: (laughs) I wish you guys could see the grin on Jared's (laughs) face.
2: Yeah I'm like so happy with myself. It's so excellent. It's like the best. No I think that's
0: super awesome. No it's so awesome. And I think like one of the you know, as a director, sometimes it's hard to see what work we do specifically, but mm-hmm. I think like picking locations, at least in my experience, I'm the only one that like really cares about locations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean yeah, the production the producer designer, just wants
1: it like the producers want to know, like, is there parking? Like what, what's the yeah, power or situation? Or is it easy? Like what's wrong know? with this
0: house? Okay, here's another house. What's mm-hmm. wrong with this house? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, house sucks. Yeah, what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with this it? place? It's small, it's ugly, it's there's nowhere to put lights. And and it's like when you find this great location, it's mm-hmm. like such a big deal and the producers don't care. Production mm-hmm. designers I mean, a lot of times they just want to build sets. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm really big on, like, you know, every department, and every element, every decision you make should be furthering the story and the character. So I remember, um, you know, because, the, you know, thematically the movie is also about power, really mm-hmm. is what it's about ultimately. Uh, we were looking, you know, I was looking for ways to elevate. A particular character in the frame so when I was looking at the houses I was looking for like these opulent staircases and Mm -hmm. I was like he needs to be you know up here giving his like speech to his like disciples and we found like one house that even though it had like a Spanish villa exterior which I wasn't crazy about it Mm -hmm. had the staircase and I was like this is an important moment and I know I can shoot it like this and I was like, okay, that's why we're picking this location yeah. because it has a ba- and it also has a balcony where I can have them again speaking down to everyone. So that's actually in the trailer a little bit. you'll see it. there's a scene where the guy is on a megaphone and there's some people down below mm-hmm. cheering. and I knew I wanted that to, you know visually I needed that. So you know that's how you choose your locations, at least for me.
1: And do you have uh, like having like you just finished up everything, right that you're totally done? Mm-hmm. Do you have any like tips that you would give to Jarrett from a year ago? Like going into mono.
2: Oh wow, going into mono. Give, give a year ago, Jarrett. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like directing tips. Right? Direct directing tips are just just you know, and any any nuggets of information, whether it's like oh expect this or fight for that or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. don't be surprised when this happens when Donald Trump is the <laughs> presumptive candidate or nominee.
2: Um. Yeah, you know, I, look, I got pretty pretty lucky with this movie. I think uh, there were a lot of battles to be fought and a lot of compromises, but I think I ultimately won a lot of the battles I wanted to win, and I and, and the and some of the and I lost some that I I I'm glad I lost mm-hmm. as well, and I think that's one of the things I would tell myself is that you know, you know, fight as many battles as you can, but understand that sometimes when you when something bad happens or it appears to be bad at the time, you didn't get something or that you wanted. Uh, That just means that something better may come along and you'll be like, thank God I didn't get that thing that I wanted because now I got this instead and it made it better. And that happens like through every like aspect from casting. I mean, we we definitely had actors that we cast that Mm -hmm. dropped out and then we got better actors. I mean, I I don't mind saying it's like our lead actor. We cast 48 hours before shooting because we lost uh, uh, you know someone else yeah. yeah and he was like a godsend. he God said he was he was amazing you know um and then there were just you know smaller things like there were songs that we had in the cut since the beginning and mm-hmm. it was like we're going to get that song we're going to get that we're going to get that song and it's like you can't have that song it's like what are the options oh this song is better yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what i mean so like that happens constantly so just be open to that oh yeah
0: i to me <laughs> it's funny cuz with the with the songs i always feel like you just so fall in love with it. your temp music and your temp color and your temp everything. Oh, yeah. And it's like, we just did the sound mix for Miss Earth like two weeks ago. And I mean, the whole time everyone was like, well, we kind of like the temp a little better. We like the temp music. We like that yeah, yeah. When we did the score, we kind of like we kinda mm-hmm. the temp better. And so just to me, it's like if you go into a movie knowing that that's just the thing that happens, that when you hear music like a thousand times, mm-hmm. when you change it, you're going to not like it like a, I don't know I'm really big on just like playing stuff for other people and seeing and having them mm-hmm. you know kind of give their feedback and then you can kind of get out of your head a little bit but yeah temp yeah.
2: Stuff. yeah I mean we ended up we have a lot of songs on our movie and it was really um, you know we had a great music supervisor who's done a bunch of big movies you know
1: Especially with a teen movie, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really important. It's so important. I mean, it's always important, but especially a teen movie. I think the studio really
2: realized that later on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was like, oh crap. Like, you know, we need this, you know, we had like Jay-Z songs in the temp version, you know, I was like, this could be really awesome. Like I, Jay-Z's forever young in this homecoming sequence and it was just so great. And I was like, okay, I can't get that. But you know, what was helpful was that then when we got our music supervisor, they were like, this is the tone. This is the style that they're going for. And I mean, there were even times when I was like, I literally want something that has a mashup of like 80s. Because, you know, like that song pulled from like an 80s song.
1: By Alphaville. Yeah. That maybe played at my camp every <laughs> camp dance.
2: Right. <laughs> and then it had hip hop over it. So then suddenly it becomes, okay, let's find a song that has a structure that has right. a feel or a vibe. You know, and then I maybe look for something where the rhythm changes at a certain point in it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, even the songs can tell the story. So it's right. like I need something here. This little like Nicki Minaj, you know, for the cheerleaders to tell the story that they're like a little hypersexualized how they're dancing in this sequence. Can we find something that's a little bit like Anaconda? You and,
1: know. And did you think like if you're using if you're temping in like some of the biggest acts right now, mm-hmm. is it easier maybe uh, to find like a sound alike or something to compare it to? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's like instead of like a weird obscure cut it's like okay well Jay-Z your music supervisor knows the exact track you're talking sure, about yeah. and people can say like yes this is like that track.
2: Yeah, I actually think that's that's it's probably pretty helpful I mean, at the end of the day. I mean because then what they they literally gave me like a PDF that would have like the song that I had mm-hmm. and then all the different options and they would give me like 10 songs for each song. So I probably had 30 songs in my movie, so I probably listened to somewhere between 175 and 300 songs as options that my music supervisor gave me. And then it would became, like, what part of the song am I cutting in? Mm-hmm. Which was, like, it would be crazy, because sometimes you listen to a song, you know, like, this song doesn't work, but this 20 seconds of the song is perfect, mm-hmm. you know? And, and you have to literally, like, kind of listen for everything. Like, how can I, like, enhance the story with... Particularly with the teen comic the lyrics. I mean, like, maybe I'm just on the nose with that, but, like, sure. I like doing that with the music. Cause it can be a subliminal thing that all adds up.
1: And, and did you find that you were getting maybe a better deal or like people were cutting <coughs> you a, a, a rate because it was a feature and because, you know, exposure was going to be a part of the the payout. For you know,
2: that? look, I, I had nothing to do with that. So um, they definitely worked I'm sure miracles to mm. to get me as many songs as they did. I mean, there was uh, a relationship I had with us with an influencer, an artist, a buddy of mine named Chad Future. I've done like six to seven music videos for him, and he actually has a a, sh- a show on full sc- a full screen show coming out July fifteenth called Chad Future TV. So there's a little shout out to him, but he gave me three songs from an album he's putting out and, and it was perfect for what I needed, you know for the movie for big party music that sounds well sure, produced. Sure. So I know he hooked it up for a fair rate
1: cool well i think it might be that time yeah i think it is <laughs> so jared how can we find out more about mono
2: yeah um you know you actually can pre-order the film now uh, if you're excited about it at monothefilm.com. follow us on instagram at uh, mono movie and uh, on twitter it is mono the movie so uh, also um i believe it's mono movie on facebook as well
0: cool well, before we end, we're going to we do a segment called
1: Unpaid Endorsements. So my unpaid endorsement is for the Director's Commentary on Beginners, the movie, which is a Mike Mills movie. Uh, listeners may remember that I was an intern for the Director's Bureau, which was Mike Mills' commercial and music video production company, along with Roman Coppola and a handful of other people. So I've always, always looked up to him. And for whatever reason was like a little nervous about listening to the listening to the commentary just cause I was a narcissist and like was like worried that somehow he was going to be like, Oh, I had a stupid intern once upon a time, which is utterly idiotic. And I know that, but for whatever reason, I just didn't listen to it for a long time. And I just uh, listened to it the other night. It's incredible. It's like so good. And it reminds you of how wonderful that that movie is. And more importantly, Uh, reminded me of kind of the fundamentals of the sort of director that I want to be, you know, he takes a very holistic approach to filmmaking and story and, and how to work with actors and how to work with camera. And the thing that really struck me that he talks about a lot throughout the whole film is that most of the time they're shooting with one Kino and one other like light out of the window. Most of the movie is lit globally. So you can point the camera wherever and it's going to be safe. And the way that they pull it off, because it looks incredible. It doesn't look sloppy mm-hmm. or, or uh, un- uninteresting in any way. They would do uh, light studies for every single room in every single location that they were doing. So they knew the window where each room looked its best based off of the, the arc of the sun and the way that the shades would work and the placement of the windows. And they were shooting in incredible houses. like They shot in like a Nutra house off of like Griffith Park. So like some of the best architectural spots in Los Angeles, but still they shot them as beautifully as possible and as conducive to just an organic, beautiful performance from these actors. So, you know, you bring actors into a space and there they see a camera and like two or three other people, a very small crew. They kept a small crew the whole time and like one or two lights. And you just feel like you're that person and you're just in the moment. And I, I just was struck by how, beautiful approach that is and also how conducive that is to awesome filmmaking on a low budget, right? Mm-hmm. Like n- everybody can make a room look awesome if you've got your timing right. And sure. it's just about being patient and smart about making that plan really awesome. And I thought, what a what a wonderful tack to take. So my endorsement is uh Mike Mills's commentary track on beginners. Check it and out. And it's the only way to hear that is to like Buy the DVD or Blu-ray? It is $11 on Amazon.
0: But then you got to have a DVD player? Blu-ray player, but yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Really Ooh. making us jump through hoops. Worth it. <laughs> worth it. Okay, cool. We'll check it out.
2: Um, I guess my endorsement will be for uh, a YouTube channel called uh, Nerd Writer. That I've become quite a fan of. So, if you look up Nerdwriter One, I started following this guy when he uh, just kind of started out. Well, maybe a couple, a year or two in, but I think he had you know thirty thousand followers or something. Now he has like half a million. But he really does basically uh, an amazing media studies, media criticism dissertation once a week about varying issues, and and um, they're just fascinating. I mean, he did one on Rihanna's uh, track "Work." That was like a whole history of like, you know, that genre of music. And I learned more things than I thought I possibly could, you know, about <laughs> about music. Um, but uh, also, you know, he does a lot of film stuff. He did one on uh, Alfonso Cuaron's Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. But he also did one on uh, Children of Men, which I think might have been the first one I saw. He's done stuff about Picasso. It, it, it's pretty varied in the stuff that he covers, Um Poetry, just a little bit of everything. Uh, understanding art is a really good segment that he does, and uh, and I actually, what I like so much about it is that I actually think that the pieces themselves, the, the YouTube videos, are pieces of art in themselves. Mm-hmm. They actually elevate, you know, what he's talking about, which is pretty hard to do. It's like listening to a really great college professor. So I highly recommend, you know, just binge watch uh, all the all of Nerdwriter one.
0: Nerd writer number one.
2: Nerd writer number one. I'm assuming he's going to start a second channel. So.
0: <laughs> cool. I'll check that out. Um, yeah, as usual, I have really crappy endorsements this week. I uh- <laughs> there you I yeah, we well, had a good one this week. Well, I, they're crappy because it's like everyone already knows about them. But I'm just excited about the menu. <laughs> hey, <so> go ahead. <laughs> last night was like the best Game of Thrones episode ever. Uh, you should restart this one. Don't <laughs> give it the caveat, man. This is a totally good one. <laughs> no, everyone, everyone that is us that would listen to this podcast has probably already watched that episode and been like, "How the hell did they get those
1: horses to crash into each other?" <laughs> I think <laughs> like, you, genuinely, I think you were underestimating. It. I I will say this. The two people who have talked to me about that episode are in this room right now. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> yeah. I was at Sawhorse
0: yesterday where Jarrett was, and I just stuck my head out the door of the editing vein. I was like, anyone see Game of Thrones last night? And, like, everyone, like, erupted. Like, holy shit, yeah, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> Everyone did see it, but did they, like, look up the, the behind-the-scenes video <laughs> well, to learn how to do the VFX. Well, that's th- what I'm saying. That's, I that's don't know. But extra, that's the Orin Kaplan extra
0: <laughs> I actually like emailed this VFX house that I know, and I was like, did you guys see that episode last night? Were those horses real? Like, what is going on? And then they, they're the ones that are like, here's two behind-the-scenes videos. So we'll, we'll post. I mean, this episode came out yesterday, so these behind-the-scenes videos came out today. You know, because obviously they weren't spoiling anything ahead of time. <laughs> All right, so
1: set, so set it up. Give give us the
0: overall context here. Yeah. So basically, there's these this amazing, amazing unshootable battle in Game of Thrones yesterday. In the episode, it's called Battle of the Bastards, and I just had no idea how how they did it. I couldn't even. It just looked super real, but they had horses crashing into each other, and they had people just you know chopping each other's heads off just like insane insane stuff it was incredible and
1: and really subjective like you really felt like you were in that space like i remember my heart was racing mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that Kara, like, my wife was like she couldn't watch she was yeah. like so
0: tense it was like uncomfortable yeah to watch it with her sorry yeah, i
2: watched game of thrones with a big group and we get emotionally invested but th- this episode in particular it was just you're there yeah it yeah. was probably yeah. better than most big budget movie battles that i've seen i think yeah i I was blown away and it's
0: telling a story like every beat it's like you're seeing the characters personalities play out and how Mm -hmm. they strategize this battle Mm -hmm. anyway but i just did could not figure out how they did it and so nowadays we're lucky because we can immediately look it up so i don't know check it out we'll put links to the videos they just went to westeros they they ran the cameras (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's a documentary Um, the they other just, thing I they ju- shot at Magic Hour. Yeah. Right? They
1: did some time studies.
0: <laughs> the other thing I just watched that everyone has already seen, but it was the first time I watched it, and I was like really impressed and intrigued was Lemonade. Have you guys seen that? I, I still Beyonce, haven't watched haven't Lemonade. It yet. Some, um, some
2: someone has told me that I must watch so Lemonade. So it's not on
0: HBO it. Go, which is why it's hard to watch because I think Beyonce had some deal with HBO where it's like only airs like live, you know. Mm. But it is on my Time Warner on Demand. So that's where I watched it. And it's like It's also, it's like a work of art. It's, you know, it's about her. I I don't know. I didn't know any of this stuff really in detail, but Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. Supposedly. supposedly with. I think it's pretty much a (laughs) fact. With his partner's ex-wife, who's like a fashion designer. I forget her name. Anyway. It's uh, Becky. (laughs) But uh, she made this. I mean, it's very literal. It's not like a metaphor of like, Oh, you know, I my heart was broken and I have gone on this journey. She's like, "You came home at 3 a.m." Like those are like literally the lyrics and wow. and you lied to me and you cheated on her. like how do you think that made me feel? Like fuck you, fuck you. Like it's just it's cra- it's crazy how now they're married. And it's it's a, a it's her journey of uh, suspicion of her husband and then the realization that he's cheating on her and then her anger and then her rebellious period and then her coping and then her refocusing on her priorities and her family and her daughter and and how she overcame it and it's all done it's a a bunch of different directors a bunch of different dps and it's like it's powerful it's like an hour channel your pain into art i think that's
2: what artists do so yeah
0: but you don't expect like you know the biggest pop singer you know in america maybe
2: that was the deal it was like i'm gonna have to make an album about this Right, right. Right. Like, that's the deal. And he's like, okay. Like, yeah, I think so. But, so, yeah. Hey, so, it's weird from,
0: from that. And that I think that's kind of what most people think. Like, hey, this is how I'm going to get back at you. I'm going to put all my feelings on the line. But regardless, her opening up like that, putting all her feelings out there and dedicating, like, I don't know, half a year to that process in an artistic way is just really impressive. Like you don't need to know really anything. You just watch it and it's an experience.
1: This is a very stupid thing to say. But why is would, it called Lemonade? No, no. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it if Beyonce went back to acting and did like a straight up like Will ferrell comedy again. Like hmm. she she did uh Austin Powers 3 or Gold uh, yeah. 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 And she did a hip run on MTV back in the day. And I've always found her to Carmen. be like like a super like funny person. Like like that, the same thing that like makes her so like fierce and like intense, like if you channel it into like Ron Burgundy style, like sass and arrogance and bravado, I think is so funny. So I just, I, I would love it for Beyonce to do like just a stupid Adam McKay comedy. It, w- it would be oh, incredible. You hear that, that Beyonce, seems-
2: Matt Enloe would like to direct you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes absolutely
0: she definitely seems like someone that makes fun of herself i don't know she's, <laughs> i think she's so
1: funny yeah Yeah. she's great so i'm saying that beyonce can do everything basically yeah she can make lemons into <laughs> to, to anchorman 3 <laughs> yeah Into music videos
0: okay cool well uh jared we how can we find you we know about
1: the movie
2: uh yeah you can find me on instagram jcon and uh conartistpictures.com my website
1: oh cool and you're on twitter as well is that your thing or no
2: yeah i'm on twitter as well jared conaway
1: well thanks for hanging out with us man if you want to find out more about the show you can follow us on twitter at just shoot it pod or check out all the show notes all the stuff that we talked about will be there at just shoot it uh, you can find me at mr Matt and me at smitey piling i'm uh
0: apologize i'm probably gonna just promote the my show it just came out today Congrats, uh, man. too
1: much on twitter and then i'll not post anything again for like six months <laughs> cool so so enjoy that everyone and like you know every once in a while something else maybe i don't know i have yeah. very funny jokes <laughs> totally enjoy those <laughs> yeah no matt posts nice thing interesting things. yeah yeah i brag about myself too much too um <laughs> but anyway <laughs> this episode was edited by eric carpeau thanks eric music was by steve combs take it away steve bye